Are you listening to this Baby Love JR Rotom remix? Not yet. I was waiting okay. for. I was. I was like trying to make sure my thing didn't stop recording okay. again. And it's I'm just good. It, it. It, it's overall a good song. It just starts out with the. Bow, bow, bow. <laughs> oh. Oh. Okay. Wait. Hold on. I'm listening now. Don't let the. Don't let it get you down. It, it gets better from there. Hi, I'm Barry Hamaguchi. And I'm Jason Marcos. This is Flop Redeemer, the weekly podcast where we discuss the stories behind our favorite pop flops and why you should give these songs a second chance. Like a moth to a flame, the allure of the solo spotlight has long drawn singers like Diana Ross and Michael Jackson away from the groups they broke out with. But for every Justin Timberlake, there is a Nick Lachey, and for every Beyonce, there is a Jerry Halliwell. Today we're giving a closer listen to 2007's Baby Love, the second solo single from Pussycat Dolls lead singer Nicole Scherzinger, and asking the question, what does it take to go from pop group standout to standalone superstar? Oh my. <laughs> no, I was just, I just thought it was funny that for every Beyonce there's a Jerry Hallowell. I was like, you could have just said Michelle. Well, I was trying to keep, get people from different groups because yeah, originally yeah, I was yeah. like, it's like it's like Justin versus JC or mm-hmm. like yeah, like Beyonce versus Michelle. But Nicole Scherzinger was the lead singer of Pussycat Dolls. Mm-hmm. Is the lead singer of Pussycat Dolls. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you already have a leg up when you are Beyonce over Michelle or you're Justin over JC. That's true. And so if if you're the Justin, if you're the Nick Lachey, I don't know if Jerry. I guess Spice Girls was more um, egalitarian. Was Jerry Hallowell the UN? goodwill ambassador one of them went to like the un she was the first out she was the one that wore the union jack dress that's right she's uh, ginger spice i told you right when i was in high school i went to it was like a christian teen summer camp and you have not told me this yeah in hawaii okay and you know we were all having a good time and my friends for my because this is like after my birthday my birthday's in july and this must have been like August or something. And my friends had gotten me a Spice World, Spice Up Your Life t-shirt for my birthday. It's kind of like a gag gift because I had thought they were stupid. I wasn't like a huge fan, but it was just kind of campy and ridiculous. Yeah. I wore that. I It was kind of like a sleep shirt and like a morning shirt, you know? And so I remember I wore it to sleep and then I wore it to like breakfast or like the first meeting of the camp day. Mm-hmm. And I got called out and sent back to my tent in front of everyone for wearing an inappropriate t-shirt. <laughs> and it was Scant- literally- Was it scantily clad women? No, it was just this, you remember the Spice World? They're all just standing there. They're fully clothed, but it like sort of spells out the word world or it's around the word world. I, it's hard to even remember at this point. But they're not like, you know. It was not, they were fully clothed. It just said Spice World above it and they were underneath. That was it. I was told it was inappropriate. I mean, depend, but I don't. I don't know what your what your definition of fully clothed is. I mean, I mean Melanie Chisholm here. I, I'm looking at a Spice World T-shirt online. I don't know if it's the one that you have. Um, Melanie Chisholm has a fully exposed midriff. Victoria Beckham has perhaps three inches of cleavage out. Um, uh, Mel B also also a significant side boob from Mel B. Not insignificant. I can definitely see Jerry Hallowell's knee. Yeah, you know. Can you see anyone's ankle? 
<laughs> I mean, <laughs> so I don't know what kind of standards they were holding you up to, but maybe they just weren't fan. Maybe they just didn't like thin voiced singers. At you know, camp. if only it had been Donald Trump <laughs> on a t-shirt talking about grabbing some woman by the pussy. It would have been. Well, he doesn't. He doesn't have ankles, so no one needs to worry. It's true. He's never shown his ankles or his midriff. He's They're saint. covered by folds of flesh. Most, most certainly. Gosh, drives, you... drives me crazy. I, I can't even believe I'm getting started on this, but it drives me crazy that I got kicked out of that meeting for wearing a Spice World t-shirt and then I bet that you other all those, people all those you. people, All those people then turned around and voted for Donald Trump. Well, they Insane. gave it to you as a joke. But they were my friend. My friends gave it to me because they oh, thought it was yeah, funny. Yeah. Okay. Not to punish me. <laughs> Anyway, um, anyway, yeah. Oh, okay. So, so we're talking about Nicole Scherzinger today. Scherzinger. I keep hearing. I like. I was watching clips and I realized people pronounce it Scherzinger. I've always said Scherzinger, but Scherzinger. <laughs> Sorry. I guess. I, just, I mean, why would you say Scherzinger? <laughs> like, I, why not? I don't know. It just it, it comes out easier. I just remember. Do you remember when she when she was first like? you know, it breaking or entering the scene. And there was a whole like Nicole, like, I don't know how to say her. Cause it was like, people were like, oh, her last name's too hard. Or it's Lazy like too, too German or something, but it's not even German. She's, she's Ukrainian, uh, Filipino well, it's Hawaiian. Her, no, but it's her, it's her, it's her stepfather's name. Oh, okay. It's her stepfather who is German American. Oh, well. Because, yeah, she is, her mother is Ukrainian and native Hawaiian, and then her father was Filipino. So her actual given name is Nicole Prescovia Elikolani Valiente. That's an American name. Yeah. Well, what's surprising to me, though, I mean, I guess maybe, you know, you don't want to, if her father, if her biological father wasn't a part of her life, she maybe didn't want to use his last name. But like mm. Nicole Valiente would be a better stage name than Nicole Scherzinger, or even if she, you know, you know, people always change their names. Even like Nicole Valenti, <laughs> yeah, something like it, just something that 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 goes. Um, I mean, Pres- Prescovia, Prescovia, is that? I don't know what that is. It's this. It's the uh, the country that um, Anne Hathaway was. <laughs> Genovia, Genovia. <laughs> And then uh, I, I, I'm assuming I'm assuming her other middle name is like Hawaiian because it's got so many vowels in it. Elikolani. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah that I sounds... feel like going with anything Hawaiian is tricky because it's so many vowels. Well, that's, that's really where phonetics will not help you because you have to put apostrophes between multiple vowels because you have to say the vowel twice in some words. Yeah. Right. Hawaii. Yeah. Well, yeah, well there's an Okina. Which is, it looks like an apostrophe, but it's not. Mm-hmm. And it, it describes a glottal stop. So you you don't carry the sound through. Not, it's not like like Hawaii. Like some people say Hawaii because it's like <laughs> two eyes and they just drag it out. No, you stop it. It's Hawat, the glottal stop. E. Yeah. <laughs> so. I just think of it as you do the vowel twice and then you're, you're good to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, Nicole Scherzinger... Uh, born Nicole Prescovia Elikolani Valiente in Honolulu, Hawaii in 1978. Wait, are we starting? No, I just wanted to get that out of the way. I forgot why we were talking. Oh, because her name, Nicole Scherzinger. I did not know it was pronounced Scherzinger. Ah. It just looks like Scherzinger to me. 
No, this I will, don't know. This will be interesting because, you know, you know, talking a little bit about why do some succeed where others do not? And I think. Yeah. What does it take? Know, what does it take? Jason. I don't know. Because sometimes it's like, you know, a good voice doesn't guarantee that you're going to be it. Um, Absolutely does not guarantee anything. Yeah. Many have tried. Many have tried. So you are no stranger to reality singing competition television series. I am not. I don't know if we've talked about the fact that you, in a past life, auditioned for Uh, a particular uh reality television competition series before, and maybe it was at that point that we all realized what a farce they are. Yeah. I think, yeah. That at the end of the day, it's, it's television. So they're, they're it creating is. a television show. It's not, it's not about the voice. Well, it, it, it is well, to an extent, but then you have to have like, it's like that gypsy song. You got to get a gimmick. It's like you had to go <laughs> out there in your butterfly costume or with your light up bra. Or as the, as was the case with the man in front of me, a uh, full American flag jumpsuit and a cowboy hat. Um, yes. P.S. Dressing up in the American flag is considered uh, defiling the flag. Yeah. For all, uh, for but, all, for but, all but, out there. But the producers of the show, which was American Idol, <laughs> were too busy telling this man, you're exactly what we're looking for. We need Just, this kind of energy in this competition. Uh, the psychological damage inflicted on America's youth. I know. And then telling being me. Told they're, you're good. You're just not exceptional. You're no Fantasia Barino, Jason. I, I could read. But anyway, so I bring this up because, you know, there there is a reality singing competition television competition series involved here in that a lot of groups are formed out of disparate people. Like they're not always, you know, your best friends that you grew up singing with. Like sometimes it is, but the vast majority of the time it's not. And sometimes on like the X factor, right? Like they would take these solo singers that came and auditioned by themselves that were maybe not good enough to advance into the solo rounds and be like, well, do you want to be part of a group, right? Like fifth harmony was formed this way. One, one direction was formed this way. Little mix was formed this way. And I always wonder like if given the opportunity to, if this were really your dream to be on reality television singing competition series, would you take them up on that offer as an alumnus of a reality competition singing series yourself like if they were like we don't think you're ready for prime time by yourself but we want to pair you up with these four random strangers that you've never met before Uh, you're asking me as a 38 year old now (laughs) but i'm thinking (laughs) i i i probably i mean probably i mean i think i i guess it really depends like do you want to be famous do you want to be an artist, do you just want to sing? Like, you know, all mm. the different things that you want. And I think you could do it. I mean, I guess it depends on who's putting it together. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, you okay. know, it's... it's. Um, do you work well in groups in general? I, I think I do. Okay. Um, but I I guess, I guess I know enough about myself to know that I would want to lead. Mm. Right? Like, I, I do well in groups in terms of I'm a good as manager. As, as long as you can be in charge. Yeah, as long as I can be in charge. But as long as, you know, because I like I like if there's a mission or if there's a goal. I like mm-hmm. helping to marshal the troops and, and delegate and manage to success. Right? Like, that's okay. what I like to do. And so you'd be the Harry Styles. You would not be the Zane. I'd be no. the Zane. I would fully be the Zane. I would yeah. go along with it thinking like, oh, yeah, this could work. And then I'd like day one, I'd be like, oh, the, this is not America's next best friend race. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and that would be the Harry Styles. 
<laughs> I don't know. I think I'd I be more like the Nile. It's one of those things that like the uh, the older I get, the more experience I have like in the workplace, the more I realize like I, I have a exceptionally hard time working with people. Mm. It's like I can improve those relationships over time, but by and large like if I don't get to choose the people I'm working with, it's very very difficult for me to adapt. I, th- I mean, and I think it is part of wanting to be in ch- it's part of wanting to be in charge but also not wanting to say I want to be in charge. So it's kind of like, oh, if you want me to be in charge, like I can take command of this. But otherwise, if someone else is going to take charge, I'm going to disagree with you at every turn. But maybe not say I disagree with you. You'll just undermine them. <laughs> very much internally disagree with every decision at every turn. That's so I would healthy. not I would that not I would healthy. not be. <laughs> I mean, nowadays, I, I think I'm turning the corner on that aspect of it and being like, you know what? Nothing in life is that big of a deal. I'm becoming slightly more a go with the flow kind of person. That's just like, okay, like this is what you want to do. I, I'm on board. I'll do it. Uh huh. But, you know, I wouldn't consider myself a natural team player, but I have okay, a hard time believing fair. anyone is. I look at these groups, these groups that come and go. It's like, it's a miracle that any of these groups of strangers manage to get along for any period of time especially when i feel like a lot of them are formed based on like how they look together yeah yeah it's like oh these this is a group of five similarly like tall skinny people right yeah i mean i think what's interesting is it comes down to what is everyone looking to get out of it is everyone on the same page yeah because you you know we talked about swv before and swv you know, famously, sisters with voices who, I mean, I guess they are like sisters, you know, in the, in the sense that like they're close. Not all sisters but, like, like each other. Yeah, there's fighting there. You know, there, there's a lot of drama. But, um, you know, they talk about how they don't really talk or see each other unless they're performing. And then when they do, they, you know, they get together, it's a job. They perform it professionally. They, they you know, they do their thing. They punch out. They punch in, they punch out. And... Yeah. It keeps their, it, you know, they do enough to keep, to maintain a profile, to maintain their lifestyle, whatever that might be, to, to, to satisfy their need to sing and perform. But they don't put the expectation on each other that they will truly be close and hang out and like, you know, do things like that. And I mean, you know, when we, when we did, the, when we did that episode, it, it felt very, uh, th- th- there was a lot of dissonance between their image that was projected in who they were. And I think that created a lot of uh, like just some weirdness in terms of fan perception. You just want them to be friends. You do. And I think we want anyone that we see that we enjoy together. Like you want the Spice Girls to be friends. You want, you know, or or something. Now, that being said, we're going to talk about Nicole Scherzinger. I don't know that I expect the Pussycat Dolls to be friends. You would hope that they were. You would hope that they were. I think that if you look at some of the performances with them, it's, it's pretty clear that they are not. Yeah. They, oh, yeah. So, but, but I think it has a lot to do with who are the people that make these career moves to be in a group, a singing group with a bunch of strangers, and what is their end game? I think that Nicole Scherzinger probably always viewed the Pussycat Dolls as a very quick stepping stone towards a solo career. I, you know, I think that she didn't. Maybe not even a stepping stone. Maybe just like a quick little flick of the toe across it. Mm-hmm. Cause she tried, she tried to go for that solo career pretty fast as we'll find out. And it did not work out for her. It still has not worked out for her. I mean, it, I think it, she's probably very wealthy. I mean, I, I think she has like so much stuff going on, Yeah. but unfortunately none of that stuff is singing. 
Yeah, you know, it's 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 interesting because I was gonna say, you know, it depends on how you define success. I mean, Nicole Scherzinger is ubiquitous; like she's everywhere, mm-hmm. but not for the reasons, not for the primary reason she wanted to be, and not for what I think she's actually talented at. Well, and you know, the thing is, is she's still probably the most successful pussycat doll. Right? I mean, like, maybe yes. not in terms of singing, but she certainly has the career. No, I mean, in terms of everything. Well, yeah. I mean, it depends on who you count as pussycat. Uh, Christina Applegate was a pussycat doll. That's true. Wasn't that like a transitory phase? Well, that was when they started They started out as a burlesque, like a yeah. neo burlesque. It was troupe, Robin Anton's thing, right? Yeah. Anyway. So one other topic I wanted to touch upon here while we're just breaking the ice, I was doing a deep dive into Pussycat Dolls lore and just everything about them because there is something about the Pussycat Dolls that more so than a lot of other singing groups, it it has the quality of like unethical factory farm lifestyle. Like, like puppy mill? Yes. It's, it's, it's very that. In my mind, because there was there were a series of different ill-fated like Pussycat Dolls presents type of things like Girlicious and Paradiso Girls and oh I forgot GRL. about them. like like it was just like this conveyor wow, belt Con- yeah. like Pink Floyd the Wall that money it's something in Pink Floyd the Wall where the kids are all on the conveyor belt and they all fall into mm-hmm. the meat grinder that is mm-hmm. Pussycat Dolls but I was watching I forgot that in I think it's two thousand seven or 2008 there was the the wb reality singing competition television series like the search for the next doll pussycat dolls had several reality series but the first one was one of the one of the original six members of the pussycat dolls left right after the first album they were down to five and they had so they had this series on the wb the search for the next doll and it was kind of like a making the band kind of like or like, are you the girl kind of yeah. the series where they had these girls come in, audition for the part of basically to become the next Pussycat doll. And it's just the saddest, saddest thing I had ever seen. Um, <laughs> like a firing squad. It is, it is just, it's just reality TV at its, at its lowest point. I only watched the first episode because it was available on YouTube. Just someone bootlegged it. And literally in the first episode there is a stomach virus like a uh, like a contagious stomach virus going around the hotel that they're staying at what is that thing that people is it like norovirus, like norovirus that people get on like cruise ship? i don't know yeah. whatever it is whatever whatever it is one girl starts throwing up and then next thing you know like more and more of the girls and there's only 18 of them at one point like it's like half the girls are just throwing up all night doctors come in there's iv bags everywhere Mark McGrath, is that his name from Yes, Sugar, Sugar Ray. Ray? He's the host of it. He basically comes out and is like, you guys have to perform or you're out. So you have to make a decision. He's like, we've got doctors here. We've got IVs. We've got an ambulance ready. But if you want to be in this group, you have to perform right now. <laughs> and so these girls who have been like, they show these girls throwing up just everywhere. Toilet, in the in the grass, everywhere. Puking. And all of them are just like, I have to do this. This is my dream. This is my dream. So like, <laughs> like, cut to girls on stage performing. Some of them are clearly a little bit dizzy. They're just kind of wooling around. Cut to backstage where other girls waiting to go on are wrapped up in sleeping bags on the ground with IVs in their arms. Talking about how like 
The doctor said they needed an IV, but they're getting so cold. And so they're wrapping them in blankets on the ground. (laughs) And then, and then they go out and they perform and then Robin Anton and everyone's like, what happened? (laughs) It's just, Oh, that's so gross. (laughs) It was so bad. And I was like, how did we ever, how did we ever watch this? I think we're so used to like, British Bake Off and stuff now. That's I, so I w- civilized. I would push back. I did not watch this. I, I, but it was no, but that was like standard American reality te- television fare. It was like, oh great, everyone got a stomach virus. Everyone's throwing up. We have IVs and sleeping bags on the ground backstage at this theater in Burbank. Great. Yeah, I think that was. I think that was the tone of reality television in the United States for like all these years and then we got great british bake-off here and we're like wait other people in the world don't want to watch people in just abject misery (laughs) we want to watch people elsewhere want to watch people doing something that they love in a completely non-dramatized in a supportive environment (laughs) where everyone is like supporting each other (laughs) yeah anyway i just wanted to get that out of the way as as just like one of the many things that happens with the Pussycat Dolls, as as we'll find out, as we'll discuss. Um, we have a website. We do. And we have an email. We do. Uh, well. It's... Um, our website is flopredeemer.com. You can also email us at flopredeemer at gmail.com. Send us your suggestions, your tips, your corrections, your castigations, whatever you want. Just send it to us because, yeah. um, you know. We're always wrong. Yeah, well... I'm not going to say sometimes, that. Sometimes always wrong. I could have been wrong just now when I said we're always wrong. <laughs> In that, you are wrong. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's go to work. We'll see how this goes. I whipped this. I whipped this puppy up. I, I've I, I've had this in in mind for a while. So I know, and you know what? I don't remember ever really listening to Baby Love. Oh, Chris also sang this at karaoke. Okay, that that tracks. It's, that makes it, but sense. he could not find the melody. This song is impossible to find the melody if you just listen to the instrumental. Okay, you need anyway. To, you need to you need to cut that part into the episode. <laughs> It'll be the the intro. Okay. (laughs) We're back. So we're talking about Nicole Scherzinger. You may be asking, who is Nicole Scherzinger? What do you need to know about Nicole Scherzinger? Well, let me tell you about Nicole Scherzinger. I just made a noise. (laughs) I heard your chair. (laughs) (laughs) So longtime listeners to the podcast will remember that Nicole Scherzinger was the woman who single-handedly crushed the dreams of then 13-year-old Rachel Crow in season one of X Factor US, which produced the tearfully iconic Nicole Scherzinger, my career is over, dot gif, gif. <laughs> Wait, do, um, so, is it true also, sorry, that she she was a guest judge on the X Factor and was like in, instrumental in putting together One Direction as well? Uh, she was present. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they they were all there workshopping the people. Like they had a lineup of reject boys, and they were just pushing pictures around until they found a group of cute boys that they could market. And she what was a, present. What a, what a dream job. Did she meant she might did she mentor the boys that season? I don't. Know. I don't know. I never I watched. Think, I never watched. But she was so there. Anyway. She was definitely there. She was okay. definitely there. You so were my. You were my uh, 
my uh, my uh, insight into the X Factor. Okay. I don't think so I so before she was ruining lives, she was actually um, saving lives. No. Yeah. Well, in, I guess in, she she in, she saved their lives. In one direction, she saved lives. Yes. In another direction, <laughs> she ended them. <laughs> She ended her own career. Um, uh, fans of low-budget music reality competition television programming will recognize her as one of the winners of season one of WB's Pop Stars and the singing group Eden's Crush, which resulted from said television show. Strange intersection with some of our previous episodes were because we were stumbling ac- upon some common a common cast of characters. David Foster, who we talked about um, as instrumental in Josh Groban's career, he was actually a producer on the television show Pop Stars, and he is credited as the executive producer of the debut album from Eden's Crush, as well as their debut single, iconic 2001's Get Over Yourself. Did you one know of that? his, one of his, I'm sure he's one of most proud of that credit. You know, the, the, uh, <laughs> Earth, Wind and Fire, the Bodyguard soundtrack, Josh Groban, I'm sure he is most proud of Eden's Crush. Well, you know, I was reading up about Eden's Crush and in my head, they were just kind of a fly by night, mm-hmm. you know, ramshackle operation. But, um, you know, get over yourself, get over yourself goodbye. It charted okay on the US charts. The problem was that their record label went bankrupt and folded. Oh. So by no fault of their own, unless I, I mean, you know, I barely remember them. But I could easily I was I, when I saw the David Foster connection, I was like, yeah, Nicole Scherzinger, he's like a she's like a David Foster type yeah, lady. Yeah. Well, you know, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about this later. It's almost like she buried her David Fosterness until now. Right, like, like, like the the kind of artist that she, I think, could be in terms of what's burnishing her career or burnishing her mm-hmm. her shine right now fits with the David Foster type of artist. But yeah, uh, anyway, sorry. I feel like David. I mean, David Foster famously championed um, Catherine McPhee, who is also she's just she's Catherine McPhee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She can't catch a break. No. Um. Anyway. Except for marrying for the, David Foster. Yeah, because that's true. That's she, a pretty big break. It. She worked it. She worked it. But nothing will ever surpass her uh, CBS television show, Scorpion. Excellent procedural crime drama. <laughs> anyway, for the rest of us, Nicole Scherzinger is the lead singer of the Pussycat Dolls, the burlesque troupe turned pop singing group that released two studio albums between 2005 and 2008, selling over 55 million records worldwide and becoming one of the best-selling girl groups of all time in the process. I, you know, in doing some of the research on this, I was shocked. I f- had forgotten how popular they were. They're right I mean, behind Destiny's Child. Yeah, I mean, I I knew all the songs. I I can. I was never really a fan. I, I just their music seemed a little crunchy to me. But um, I don't know. Just like thirsty in a weird way. <laughs> um, I call it. Um, what did I call? I call it something later on in the script. Raunch pop. Raunch yeah. pop gay club essentials. Yeah, like I think if I'd actually seen the burlesque show, it would have been different. I, I mean, I because I like that, you know, cabaret type stuff. Yeah, um, and I think I think when they were doing the ca- the cabaret, like the burlesque show, I think that they were doing more like traditional burlesque numbers. Yeah. Well, and that's what I mean. It's it's it it's when it takes its tour into pop and then to become this thing where now they're they're doing you know crossovers with LA Fitness or Bally and um, you know. It just, I don't know. It was relentless. It was, it was an onslaught of super trashy fashion. And I don't mean that in like a, 
like a slut shamey way. I just mean like it was it to me it all looked bad. Remember the arm the arm socks, the striped arm sock things? People would wear those sleeves. They weren't like sleeves. Yeah. Pull it up and the- they were I feel like they were very they were ever so slightly behind the times fashion wise. Mm. Like the stuff that they were the stuff that they were wearing and the stuff that they were around in, it was very like American Idol season one. Do you remember like American Idol season one, which would have been like what? Oh, yeah. Three. Yeah. That was when women's jeans had the zipper that was like one inch long. Like the jeans were so low. Yeah. 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 And yeah, yeah. every top was a crop top. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you were just wrapping, wrapping pieces of fabric around like every around your part arms of your body. Or like around yeah. your belly, like just kind of random. Yeah. I feel like Pussycat Dolls kind of rode that yeah. all the way through 2008 which was a little late. Yeah. But anyway, it was fun. Anyway. We were young. Yeah, we were you know, young. It was fun to had... dance too, I guess, you know. I yeah, guess. yeah, absolutely. Anyway, according to lore, uh, Nicole sought an audition for the Pussycat Dolls in 2003 when founder Robin Anton sought to form a recording group out of the burlesque dance troupe she ran, which had been gaining steady buzz since its founding in 1995. Will I Am, who had met Scherzinger during her time with Eden's Crush and actually wanted her to be the lead singer for Black Eyed Peas, recommended her for the job to Jimmy. God, I can't say his name ever. Jimmy Iovine, mm-hmm. who, along with Ron Fair, was developing the project alongside Anton for Interscope Records. So I didn't know this. Nicole Scherzinger was dating Nick Hexum, mm-hmm. the singer for 311. Oh. Isn't oh. that him? Yeah, yeah, I think so. So she was dating him. And I guess when, when Eden's crush went on tour, I think with like 98 degrees or something or Britney Spears, Nicole Scherzinger had met Will. I am Will. I am really liked her, really liked her voice, really dug her vibe when they were seeking a new vocalist for black eyed peas that would eventually become Fergie. He had actually wanted Nicole Scherzinger to do it, but Nick Hexum of three eleven would not let her do it. Can you imagine if Nicole Nicole Scherzinger Scherzinger replaced fergie well okay, she wouldn't no. have been replacing fergie she not, re- not replaced pre- her but she I would mean, have been like, like preempting sergey yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. i'm just i'm just fergie. Hmm. i think it would have been a better look for black eyed peas to be honest yeah probably that would have been like 50 that would have been like a 50 percent filipino band mm-hmm. then yeah weird right yeah anyway. um because fergie always seemed like a random choice to be honest anyway stacy <laughs> <laughs> so through why so through will i am uh nicole scherzinger gets this opportunity to opportunity to audition for robin anton and ron fair to become a part of the pussycat dolls they love her there's they there's this like behind the music of her where they talk about seeing her audition and they're like oh have we just discovered a superstar basically during their tenure as one of the biggest pop groups on planet earth the Pussycat Dolls blessed us with a series of raunch pop gay club essentials such as Doncha, which peaked at number two on Billboard Hot 100, Buttons, peaking at number three, and Beep, iconic Beep, peaking at number 13. They also, but to balance everything out, they gave us the middle school slow dance fodder Stick With You, number five. I don't you know. <laughs> I just, I, I'm remembering these and I... Uh... I was trying to figure out how to characterize their music. And I was like, well, this is like solidly it's, it's, it's raunchy gay club music. 
and then stick with you was like I, I mean we weren't in middle school at the time but i was like this is probably what all the kids were like slow dancing to i just think of like weird shades of purple and pink and lots of confetti cannons strobe lights is that when i grow up she's like dancing on top of a car yeah but i just i i just think of that 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 to me those colors those things yeah i think uh when i it's grow the up music of it's, it's the music of excess it's a yes. lot there's a lot going on in pussycat dolls music. yeah yeah i'm not being very fluid in this description of who nicole shares i keep is. i keep cutting you off so i'm sorry no it's good it's good because this is i i can't read my own words without it sounding like i'm just rolling my eyes what you're <laughs> you're reading Kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh god so okay so 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 pussycat dolls they have this big splash in 2005 2006 and after the success nicole scherzinger begins to work on her solo efforts and in anticipation of her solo debut album her name is nicole she releases a set of four ill-fated singles there's <laughs> There is the uh, Polo to Don produced Whatever You Like featuring T.I. Not to be confused with the T.I. song, Whatever You Like. The Rock City produced Supervillain, which does not refer to Nicole Scherzinger's role in the Pussycat Dolls. The vowel-laden Pua Kenny Kenny. Oh my god, I listened to this song today, Pua Kenny Kenny. It's a Hawaiian word. It's a uh, flower or something, right? It, yeah, it's the... Oh, okay. aren't, aren't, aren't all Hawaiian words flowers? I don't know. <laughs> Well, pua means flowering. Kini kini means apparently like ten cents. So it's like ten cent flower. Like okay. kiss kiss my ten cent flower. Well, there's a picture. There's I think it's an actual flower though. There's a picture. It is. No, I, I know. I, it, I, it's a, a, it's it. it's popular in Lays. Okay. Uh <laughs> but I was listening to this song today and I was just like, oh my God. Like this song. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So 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 three unsuccessful singles. Uh, topped off by the fourth unsuccessful single, actually the second unsuccessful single, but the ostensible topic of today's episode is baby love. You're shaking your head, but I'm going to keep going. Yeah, just keep going. All right. This song, it was written by Cara Diaguardi, who was sometimes an American Idol judge. She, uh, she wrote Hillary Duff's Come Clean. She wrote Beep for Pussycat Dolls. She wrote almost the entirety of disc one of Christina Aguilera's Back to Basics. Is this the one the one I like or the one I don't like? It's the one that has uh, "Ain't No Other Man." She wrote "Ain't No Other Man." Oh, okay, okay. Oh my God, Carrie D. Ward. She's ever. She has seriously written a fuck ton of music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, Lindsay yeah, Lohan yeah. shit. She's written. Yeah. You you kind of know a Carrie D. Aguardi song. She wrote. She wrote some stuff for Kelly Clarkson. Uh, once she became involved in American Idol, she was writing a lot of the American Idol winners singles. There's a Carrie D. Aguardiness to to songs that yeah, yeah i can't quite put my finger on but it's there um this song was also co-written by keith harris who uh wrote american boy for estelle he produced perfume for britney spears which we've talked mm. about before on this mm-hmm, podcast mm-hmm. and he's a frequent collaborator of will i am who is the third co-writer on this song and also the producer of this song um will i am obviously a longtime champion of nicole scherzinger you know member of black eyed peas he um He's a guy. What do, what do we, I don't know. I was thinking about Will I Am, and I was like, he's he's done stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, he's more famous than he is talented. I think sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So this is something that I was thinking about in terms of this song. Is 
is the people involved and how this song ended up sounding. Mm-hmm. So let's get into this because this song is, I don't, I don't know how to talk about this song as though I really like it. I think that I'm going to talk about this song and I'm going to describe this song and it's going to sound like I hate the song and that it's a terrible song, but I really do like this song. Okay. I really do like this song, but this song is a mess. This song is an unmitigated disaster mess dumpster fire, but it's great. So. <laughs> okay. I do. You, do you agree or disagree? I won't take your word for it because I wholeheartedly disagree, but. I am interested in hearing how you will form these ashes into the pottery, the beautiful pottery. Well, if becomes... you don't like the song just by listening to it, I can't I can't help you. Because this song sounds bizarre. It is. It opens okay. with strings. Okay. That, so this is this is this is this is set, setting the scene for this song. Uh-huh. It opens up with it's it's not even strings. No, it's yeah. The sound it's the sound of an orchestra tuning. Yes, the orchestra's tuning. You don't know what's gonna happen. Suddenly, there's like um like a finger plucking folk guitar that comes in, and you're like, okay, it's very serene. Mm-hmm. And then Beyonce's then, irreplaceable drums. Okay, so then we get some 808s. We get mm-hmm. some more strumming, and then. Nicole Scherzinger comes in singing in a key that you never expected to happen. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It sounds like, it sounds like something went wrong. Like they, they, they put the wrong track in to under her vocal. (laughs) It's like, it's like Lumity all over again. Completely. And not, not just, not just the key of it, but, there's something so flat and dry about her vocal track and loud. It's loud, dry, and flat. It's and like, it's just kind of pasted on top of yeah. this weird Natasha Bedingfield-esque, Beyonce Irreplaceable-esque kind of music. Mm-hmm. That it's it's really perplexing for about the first minute and a half. I'd say maybe once the chorus starts, once the first chorus starts, you're like, oh, okay, okay, this is a legitimate song. Yeah. But up until that point, it feels like something is missing or there's too much, one or the other. There's either too much or there's too little, but certainly something is wrong. Mm. <laughs> something has gone horribly wrong. And I personally blame that on Will I Am. Do you blame it on him or do you appreciate I, it? Because you like this song. I like this song now. I think when this song first came out, I thought it was terrible. And it's a terrible song, but it's a great song. Wait, so 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 wait, but what changed what changed it for you? I think I I think I appreciate how bizarre it is. It's not a catchy song. Mm-hmm. It's not a song you can sing in your head because no. the melody is completely misplaced. It's a, mysteri- this track. it's a mystery. It's like what where, you don't know where she's gonna go. It doesn't follow any sort of like yeah. what you would expect it to sound like or where the melody wherever you thought that melody was going it's not going there it's going someplace else and actually yeah. it's going nowhere because it's a very like it's it's not a very melodic verse like it's mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. it's like one or two notes it's like in a half it's like a half step yeah. up a half step down yeah yeah well and i mean you know and also truly it doesn't fit the music so like the music like you like to your point you think it's going to be one kind of song and then you're like wait what is this this is this is the most like banal 2009 10 like 
pop, like sort of R and B. It's like it's like going for neo, but it's not. But like you said, over a Natasha Bedingfield sort of track. And then it's it's funny because it's so dissonant that you would never expect this to be like such a romantic love song. Well, can we talk about how you can kind of and and maybe you can talk about this from a graphic design standpoint. Okay. The single cover artwork basically foretells the mess that this song would be. <laughs> like she's so so it's a close up on on Nicole's face. She's got like wet hair. This is typical for her. Wet hair. She's been spritzed on the face, so she's either dewy or sweaty, just come out of the shower or all three. She's got her hands kind of cradling her face zhuzhing her hair up a little bit. She's got come hither eyes. There's a weird sort of white, and I don't know if it's like an etching or a wood carving sort of um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like it's a, like a um, it's like flourish. A, yeah, uh, it's like a grunge textured. I would think of that as like a calligraphic flourish. Uh huh. On the like kind of covering one of her hands. Yeah. Then there's there's the words baby love in this really like word Microsoft you know Windows ninety five word microsoft word font baby love in black and then under it it's like a, it's like it's like those people that have like angel baby tattooed on yeah, yeah yeah or yeah yeah or in loving memory on the back of a car and at the bottom and then under that in big like just in big all caps but serif font so it looks like could be times new roman could be trajan i don't know but it's nicole scherzinger in red I'm going to go Trajan Bold. Yeah, Trajan. Yeah, yeah. You know, Trajan, just if you don't know, is kind of like what kind of stodgy banks would use. It's what they it's what they uh it's what they engrave on the outside of buildings. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like the US Treasury. Like it's that. And then under it in very small, same font, very small, featuring Will I like, oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, like to the point where you can't see it because it's over part of her hair. Featuring is kind of on her her hand. And then the Will I Am part is over like kind of negative space or where her hair is in the background of the photo. And so like it's illegible. But you look at this and you're like, this is a mess. Like there's no taste here. How could this song be good? They didn't have the budget, Jason. They didn't have the budget. Shoot. Lead you know what it's giving me though? It's dolls. it's it's very much giving me Kelly Clarkson, um Kelly Clarkson oh. breakaway vibes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Same yeah, but, hand, but like same uh... same pose, same like little bit of grungy distress. You just needed some kind of uh graphic element to make the type a little bit more legible, but uh, you know, she's giving you I don't know. Bad taste is what she's giving. But this you. is Nicole Scherzinger's vibe. I feel like it's very her. But I think that's that's the problem. And they weren't putting money into her, I don't think. So this is the thing. This is the thing. It's like, I don't think that at this point in time we were getting, like 2007, I don't think that we were getting the best of, the best of graphic design from the music industry. I think the music industry was in trouble. (laughs) This is actually, I remember there was a year, wait, oh no, it would have been slightly before this, but like right around the time that I was working in the music industry, Oh, no, so that would have been around this time. 2006, 2007. So you're saying you added nothing to the quality of music industry. No, 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 no. But I remember that what happened was that, because I worked for like this subsidiary independent label. I was a graphic designer. And I think it was 05 or 06 
we got word that like our the major label that we were associated with laid off their entire art department because mm. music industry was in trouble and yeah album art was not album art was not of any value to anyone's so they're like goodbye art department we will be contracting out to whoever yeah. we can for as little money as possible yeah i mean so this, i will it makes I will, sense i will, I will I will defend Nicole Scherzinger Look, on that front. I can't. I, I. I will. I will defend Nicole Scherzinger on all fronts. Well, wow. I will defend this song. I will defend this song on all fronts because it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it except this that, is like, the font. These are the font choices of the woman who murdered a thirteen-year-old on X just Factor. her career. She's fine. I think that Rachel Crow is probably doing better than Nicole Scherzinger at this point. You know. I. You know. And to your point, I. I do want to say Beyonce's B Day had come out around this time like similar time and this was around the same time that beyonce was using that weird like it was like old english font for her name do you remember that and like it was very it was also very um distressed or what do you call uh, it was it had a little bit of texture to it but um you know i appreciate that beyonce always had an interest in legibility so nicole scherzinger i cannot defend the lack of legibility on this album art i'm sorry but i do love this song um, I'm listening to it again in my ears. I'm just trying to get full vibes for this. To your point about B-Day, there are some... The ingredients of this song, I feel like, are very inspired by Irreplaceable. Yes. Yes. By Beyonce. It's all the same the, things. It's all the same things, but like backwards and upside down. It's kind of like Missy Elliott, like, uh, put put my thing down, flip it and reverse it. They just did that to everything that Beyonce did on Irreplaceable. <laughs> Nicole Scherzinger is just that word. <laughs> if you play Baby Love backwards, it actually is Irreplaceable by Beyonce. <laughs> um, but I was thinking, because I was thinking about like, why does this song sound so bizarre, but also sound slightly familiar? And I think it is because kind of in the wake of irreplaceable there was a place for these r&b pop songs that integrated like acoustic guitar or like folk guitar elements mm-hmm. and like orchestral elements i was doing like a close listen to irreplaceable last night and i was noting how there's actually like a, a cello line that goes underneath the entirety of irreplaceable mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. very very quiet though Again, you, yeah. again, in the backwards up, upside downness of it, I feel like the the balance of all the elements in Irreplaceable are like a particular way, and then Baby Love kind of inverts all of it. So it it also goes to the to the level like you you were saying earlier with the album art that like there wasn't money there for clearly for Nicole, and I think what you're <laughs> listening to in Irreplaceable is the money that Sony had for the um it's Sony right, but they had for the production yeah because those are production also, choices that like mean that you can get but this is also will i am will i am will I yeah am but, but like but he's not the best producer do you know, I like, know he's but famous, I, I would imagine but he's like, expensive though yeah but it's like it's the taste level you're not paying for like i just think that he got a cara diaguardi song and he was like i'm gonna put my thumbprint on this so i'm going to ch- like obliterate the chord progression through the majority of the verse (laughs) (laughs) and then do whatever the hell I want and change up the beat and maybe keep this like what is it when it's got like a is it like a fretless guitar Mm. where you have the guitar glissandos that go ooh like you know (laughs) 
<laughs> like this song is also full of those, like these fretless guitar glissandos that Glissando. just go up. That's like my 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 high school band uh, knowledge coming into place. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like, I, like do, a, I do. It, you can you can imagine mm-hmm. like the guy's finger just going up the neck of a guitar, like sliding it up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't have frets, so it's not it's not discreetly hitting notes. It's just <laughs> seamless tones, seamlessly swelling upwards in tone. Which is later mm-hmm. in the song, it's it's um, mirrored. I realized by Nicole Scherzinger's falsetto. She does a whole weird falsetto oh. thing at the end, which I never thought of. Like, is that a signature Nicole Scherzinger thing? Um, I think oh, I can hear it now. Yeah, I was because I never realized this, but in the opening for Buttons. Mm-hmm. There's a whole like 25 second intro of Nicole Scherzinger's falsetto. I only realize it because she always does it in the live performances. Well, I think it's because I think there's this thing with Nicole Scherzinger that like, and and I mean we can talk about this kind of when we get into why, why don't we talk about this more like when we when we talk about like <laughs> when you why talk about her? like why yeah like why it's not working because I think it all plays into this thing where it's like she's a good singer and so few of the songs that put her on the map allow her to demonstrate that. Okay. Well, I'm pretty much done talking about this song. I really just want people to listen to this song because I think it's so bizarre. It's so bizarre. It's a relic of a wonderful and confusing time in the life of Nicole Scherzinger. It is truly unpleasant to listen to. (laughs) That is is, true. it, it It will knock, it will knock your socks off. It will clear your sinuses it will straighten your hair. It will do all of that and more because it's truly a bizarre song. <laughs> what was I doing? I had this whole playlist. I had this whole playlist of songs that I was like, oh, all of these songs from this era are this same song. I can't find this playlist now, of course, because it's it's just... No, I, I I agree. This, there's something I think you know. Now that it's 2021, oh here we, it is. We look back on this, and it's like the 2000s truly were a strange time for music. They were, and they feel like it's it, it was a time when there was often this type of music that I was like, what what is this? So there were some other songs that were more successful than this song that I feel like belong in the same oeuvre in the same zeitgeist things okay. were happening. One is the song big girls don't cry by Fergie. Huh. I don't know how you feel about that song. I love that song. Okay. I, I do like, like that Fergie's. Song. I feel like Fergie's uh, Duchess album was a little bit polarizing, a little bit controversial. I, I, I don't remember the controversy, but I will say this. And this is the thing that that brings me to baby love. It brings me to most of Nicole Scherzinger's things, and you know, in general, like the, her actual released album and and song material, is that the songs don't always fit her voice, or like mm-hmm. what I think is the best part of her voice. Whereas Fergie, like whether that album was controversial or not, that felt like it, it allowed her to sound good. Do you know what okay. I mean? Like it felt I like mean, material it- that suited her. And mm-hmm. it worked. And I think that's something that like Nicole Scherzinger hasn't had. I think that the controversy, it wasn't controversy with Fergie. It's just that that album, The Duchess, is so all over the place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So many different musical statements trying to yeah. be made. And to her credit, like 
she sounds really great on all of them. She had like six, six top 10 singles or something off that album. So good on her. Um, but you know, she was a part of this alongside will i am of this folk guitar arpeggio you know plucking string stuff integrated with like r&b beats Mm -hmm. i think at the time also we talked about irreplaceable that was like a neo song a lot of those neo songs had that element to it and i was thinking about like hate that i love you that song that he did with rihanna that had Mm -hmm. like a very similar vibe um Oh God, I was listening to California King Bed by Rihanna. All oh, these yeah, Rihanna yeah, songs, yeah. by the way, are terrible. Um, <laughs> I used to like California. I mean, I liked it at the time. Thin voiced singers. Well, but I felt like the music <laughs> helped. Like the not. production helped. It did not. But the production <laughs> for <laughs> the production for um Baby Love did not help no, to your point bad. like none of these songs did anything for nicole scherzinger's solo career i think in large part because the production was not great for her voice yeah and i don't know how much of that had to do with the fact that she said that in developing her solo work she wanted it to sound very different from pussycat dolls she did not want it to sound like anything that pussycat dolls would do and i think that that was to her detriment because i think that a lot of what the Pussycat Dolls albums did was very good for her voice. Well, and it's interesting because I feel like it's funny that you say that. Cause I didn't know that she made that quote. Um, I don't know if it's true, but she said it at some point. I don't think that it sounds different from Pussycat Dolls. Like to me, it sounds like an extension of who she was branding herself as within the Pussycat Dolls. Um, and I think that without the support of the Pussycat Dolls in terms of like, there are, I don't know how many, 10, how many girls are there? Six, six. seven, six, 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 sometimes five, yeah. five, sometimes six. You have all of the different vocal layers. You have the chaos going on. But, but I think that that is entirely about the production. I think that they could have put seven Nicole Scherzinger's yes. in the track. It's it's almost like all of these songs, all four of those singles that she tried to release off of the never released album, Her Name is Nicole. It's like they're missing a whole middle layer. You know? There's something in the like in the mix that's just gone. And I feel like in a Pussycat Dolls song, they would have had all those extra layers of vocals. Are you still recording? I am now. I don't know what it's... No, I, I, I mean, I, I didn't... It, it stopped while I was watching oh, it. Oh, Jesus. And uh, when I wasn't talking, so we're good. But... Um, I have to look out for these uh, these non-syncing points. But anyway, um, yeah, I think that the failure of these songs for Nicole Scherzinger was in that they weren't produced in the same way that they would have been for the Pussycat Dolls. Which yeah. is interesting because after these songs fail to gain traction and her debut solo album is shelved, a lot of this material is then reworked for Doll Domination, the Pussycat Dolls 2008 album, including the song When I Grow Up. And interestingly enough, this song, Baby Love, was also reworked as a Pussycat Dolls song on international releases of this album, and it was produced in its remake by J.R. Rodham, who t- typically I hate. Mm-hmm. Typically, I hate his music, but I will say that he crafted a palatable pop song out of the cacophony 
that was is that is that available on spotify or anything like that it or is like not available on, on spotify however there is a youtube link that it will be posting okay. to our website okay because i would be curious about if that. you want to listen to it it's also in the it's in the it's in the google doc if you or it's in my it's in my google got it script doc that you're got it well what would be interesting is is you know you mentioned that she said you know the production was different and it's like you know, she talks about, I was reading the profile on her in, in 2019, and she was saying how, you know, so much of the, she, she claims, or, and I don't, I don't know enough to, to, I'm just repeating what she said, that she basically executive produced all of the Pussycat Dolls stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, because she, she was the one, you know, and that's why, because people were like, oh, it's always her, it's da 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 it sounds like her. And she's like, well, yeah, like, executive produced it, because, like, no one else would do it. But you're like okay, if the Pussycat Dolls sound like sounds better and defines her and she's like executive producing it, why didn't she take that into her stuff? Again, I think she wanted it to sound different. Yeah. Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing that I found out this week, which was that in her behind the music special. Yeah. She, she makes the claim and this claim is seemingly corroborated by Ron Fair, who is like the executive producer of Pussycat Dolls. She sings 95% of the vocals in yeah. their debut album. That sounds right. That that what she says is that she and the producers and Jimmy Jimmy Iovine were in the studio crafting the Pussycat Dolls album. When the album was done, they brought the rest of the band in and they played the album for them. So like it's funny because you can tell in her behind the music special that she doesn't want to get herself in trouble. So she's trying to be very euphemistic about it, uh-huh. but she's also trying to get her point across. And she's like, do you understand what I'm saying? We finished the album and the girls heard it for the first time. <laughs> kind of shady, but also like, you know, but also it just reinforces something that like, I mean, if you have ears yeah, and have hearing or, or, or hearing able, you know, uh-huh. you can... Not that we even know what any of the other singers' voices sound like, really. No. Have we ever even heard them talk? Um, no. Well, we have, <laughs> you know, I, I don't, and that's why I say, like, you know, whether or not she's successful, I don't know the other ones. Like, I could except not. Except Melody Thornton. Except Melody Thornton, and I did watch that video. Okay, um, we'll talk about it after the break, yeah, but. Yeah, All right, well. Let me get into our dissection. Anyway, so, th- so four, sa- four failed singles. Uh, they scrap the album. They rework the remaining tracks back into the Pussycat Dolls follow-up album, 2008's Doll Domination. And they soldier on for a time until personality conflicts, etc., get in the way and the dolls dissolve. But we'll talk about that a little bit more. I think that is instrumental in understanding why Nicole Scherzinger perhaps has had has not been able to break away as a solo artist. So let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk a bit more. Sounds good. So roundabout discussion about Nicole Scherzinger's brief attempts at solo success. The dolls dissolve in 2009. They break up completely. Nicole Scherzinger. Oh, you know what I didn't realize? Nicole Scherzinger actually did release like two albums, but none of them came out here in the United States. Like she's actually had a decent amount of success overseas Mm. as a solo artist. I think in conjunction with like her successful stint on like the X Factor UK. Yeah. Um, But over here, like by and large, people don't think of her as like a viable singer. (laughs) 
Is it like the reverse Jesse J? Where she was like, yeah, you know, I think I think about that. They like, treat me, they respect me like an artist in the U.S. I, I I think there is that perception of Nicole Scherzinger here that she is stuck up. I I I think we in the U.S. have a distaste or dislike for people who come off as strivy. Okay. I see it. And I think more than unlikable. I don't know that she's unlikable. The narrative that I feel that maybe either I've built in my mind or that I've, you know, been been introduced to is like she wanted to be the like it was very clear she wanted to be the front the the lead for the Pussycat Dolls. You, you know, you talk about the timing of her solo stuff coming out like very quickly after Pussycat Dolls came out. And then, you know, just the kinds of stuff that she released, it, it, so much of Nicole Scherzinger to me is very much like me, please like me, like trying and then, very and then hard, trying very hard. And then being like, like, she's not, she's, she's not shy. And I, I, I don't begrudge her. And I, I don't think this is a knock when she's like, yeah, like I can't, it's not working here. Like the, like the things that I want, like I have, you know, I'm on TV, I'm all these things, but like, I don't have a successful singing career. Like, I think if you put it all together, it's like, yeah, she really wants to be known for this thing, but then, like, her music doesn't back it up. And so I think I think that's the thing that's confusing for me, because I do like her voice. Fantastic voice. Well, and I, I don't know. Immensely talented. I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to jump ahead of, of you, so. Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber. Well. I don't, I, I don't have, I don't, I mean, I don't have a lot of bullet points for this kind of open discussion part of it i mean in as in as much as i didn't have a lot of bullet points for the the strictly structured previous segment which was not at all structured um but i was thinking about you know other artists that have struck out to go solo the closest parallel to me being beyonce Mm. beyonce immense talent great voice but to your point that you're just making beyonce never I'm sure she's trying hard. I'm sure she's working hard. Mm-hmm. But oh, yeah. her persona, her media personality has never been that. Yeah. She's always been so laid back. It's like when I think of Beyonce, actually, I, I think of her a little bit reclusive. Like I can't really think of well, a lot about media appearances by Beyonce. I think about, for some reason, the only thing I always think about is her playing connect four with Kanye West. <laughs> yeah, like I know yeah. that's, all, that's like one of the things that I know about Beyonce is like, she's really good well, at connect four. She's in control as much as she can be of her narrative. Right. The reason you don't hear about her, the reason, cause she doesn't give interviews and that's, that's part of her team, right? She, yeah. she's very active in making sure that her team is the one constructing the narr- narrative around her and providing access. And the fact that like, we don't have access means that we can kind of create any sort of narrative we want around her that like suits suits us right yeah. and and but she's also very blessed to be someone who can be so reclusive and yet have so much demand i feel like if, if nicole scherzinger tried to be that elusive that p would be like okay bye well, if nicole scherzinger <laughs> released a secret album you know if she did something that changed the industry in that way. If a tree falls in the woods, Jason. <laughs> well, that's what I, I mean. Look, she, for all <laughs> intents and purposes, she did release secret albums because no one knows about them. And, uh, it didn't change the industry. But you know what? It's What's interesting, you know, because you talk about how it's not really her narrative. I mean, it was. It was Beyonce's narrative. I mean, there was the whole Diana Ross of it all. I mean, the, the idea, w- there was the... 
perceived sort of schadenfreude of of her like wanting to be in Dreamgirls, wanting to be Dina, writing mm-hmm. that song, listen, so that she could get an Oscar and then losing it to Jennifer Hudson. After all those years of people like being like, she's actively trying to like undercut Kelly and Michelle, yeah. but she's not there in the same way that Nicole is to offer herself up for criticism. I feel like Beyonce is more of a show don't tell mm-hmm. kind of, kind of lady mm-hmm. and Nicole Scherzinger to me has always read as a very tell don't show. Like I feel like Nicole Scherzinger has a a, a little bit like of a pageanty way of talking yeah. about things. Yeah. Whereas like Beyonce seems a little more laid back and well. Chill that's about because things. she doesn't really talk. Because sometimes yeah, and when it's, she it, does, but you're I think like, that, that oh. works to her advantage. Yeah, because sometimes when you let because, Beyonce in front of a microphone, you're like, oh, this is why they don't grant interviews. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, one of the things that I think has plagued Nicole Scherzinger during and after her time with the Pussycat Dolls was this idea of her being unlikable, even by her bandmates. Yeah. Because we didn't, you know, I asked you to do one piece of homework this week, Mm -hmm. which was to watch the iconic 2006 Pussycat Dolls performance of Buttons on the American Music Awards, in which infamously... The performance at this award ceremony begins with five of the six members of the Pussycat Dolls doing the number. At the very end of the dance break, Melody Thornton, who has been conspicuously missing from the entirety of this performance, is heard ad-libbing offstage. They cut to the wide. Melody Thornton comes like a boulder rolling onto stage (laughs) just in the face of the nearest doll she can find just ad-libbing her way through the rest of the song and it's it's a bizarre moment and the rumor around that moment was that melody thornton had been locked in the dressing room by her bandmates after an argument and managed to break herself out of the dressing room burst onto stage with a live mic and finish out the song and just scream her way over Nicole Scherzinger's Well, and uh, her enjoying her best Christina Aguilera over singing. Like, it yes. was like that mic was set to Christina Aguilera and it just went, <laughs> like all these, it, like the most unnecessary longest runs. <laughs> yeah. So that fueled a lot of speculation. So this was like in 2006. This was before Nicole Scherzinger had had attempted to go solo. Mm-hmm. This was in the middle of their first album promotion cycle. And there were already these rumors going around that they all hated each other, especially that they hated Nicole Scherzinger. Uh, Nicole for being so ambitious, so intense, and so focused on herself as kind of the entire identity of the Pussycat Dolls. Did, I was disappointed to find out that Melody Thornton did an interview this year. <laughs> I saw did it. I it? did. I watched that. Melody Thornton did an interview where she actually explained, well, she, she explained the circumstances behind that performance, which was kind of a long convoluted story about her, like losing her passport. Yeah. Like she lost her, she got sick. She lost, she lost, she got sick. She lost her passport in Germany. And so she got stuck in Germany while the rest of the band was rehearsing for this performance. So she didn't learn any of the, any of the blocking or anything for this. They had like chairs and there were stairs. So she didn't learn any of that part of the whole number. So they decided that, she would just enter, you know, at the stage end. right at the end to do her part because that is a part of the song that she consistently does in live performances. She comes out and she ad libs over the final like 30 seconds of that song. 
but it never sounds that chaotic and it never sounds that terrible. No, and it's never, uh, it doesn't explain the look Nicole gives her away. Well, <laughs> I mean, okay, yeah, because I think to watch that performance out of context, it, it seems like the rest of the girls just are refusing to acknowledge that she's even there. Yeah. Like, Melody gets up in one of the other girl's faces and starts singing kind of into her face. And the girl is just like doing that thing where you're like looking past someone. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Nicole Scherzinger is just like, you know, she's just keep, she's just repeating the chorus over and over again. Just waiting for it to be over. I got lost in the whole, okay, so she, so Melody, you know, was sick. the, The tour manager gives her her passport while they're on the bus She's Mm -hmm. so tired and out of it. She just shoves it under her pillow, gets up the next day, goes to the airport, forgets to take it off out out from under the pillow. Out of the bus. The bus gets on a ferry because like it's going to meet them at the next place or going somewhere else. And so she could, she's at the airport. She doesn't have her passport. She can't go anywhere. And I'm like, so what is the timeline that, cause it was unclear. Like, cause she's like, no, I got to go. Cause I got to be there for the American music awards. They're... I'm guessing that she got stuck in Germany while the dolls were con- like it was a where they did she say they were going from like Turkey to Germany or she something said she like couldn't that? remember where they were going they were it was somewhere in Europe they were leaving Istanbul but then like when she was getting ready to go on for the show because she hadn't been there for any of the things she was getting dressed and like learned like in the car or she had hair and makeup in the car. And I was like, did they leave without you? Like, I don't understand. Like, I don't, they, so you flew from Germany right to the American music award. Like, I don't don't get it. I I assumed that maybe they had like finalized the blocking for that number the day of the performance or the day before the performance. And that she perhaps did not actually get there until that evening. Yeah, maybe. Cause it was like the way she talked about it was so down to the wire, and yeah, and it just sounded a little convoluted, a little bit. Uh huh. It sounded equally as implausible as her just getting locked in the dressing room by angry yeah. bandmates. Yeah, which but, you know, yeah. <laughs> but I, I will say that like that animosity that you see between them during that performance is not unique to that performance. I think that when I went through and I looked at a, a lot of their live performances it seems very clear that they're not friends. Yeah. And in contrast to Beyonce, Mm -hmm. Beyonce came away relatively unscathed by the Latoya and Latavia of it all. Again, I think it's, 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 it's the, it took a few years. It did take a few years. We forgot. They forgave each other. They're, they're sisters again. Well, it's like, Um, it's the kind of access that you get, right? So like in the intervening period, I guess you know you have be- you have Destiny's Child and they're they're you know they're kind of going and and you know Beyonce was doing um you know t- a promo and interviews when she's part of Destiny's Child and and I guess even at the beginning when she was really embarking on her solo career, but so much of what turned her from turn transformed her from Beyonce of Destiny's Child to the Beyonce we know now. And particularly those first few years between her first couple of albums were she she was everywhere, but she wasn't everywhere on like TV shows judging. She was doing the the premiere or opening performances of huge award shows. 
that everyone in the country was watching, right? Like these very high profile, either opening or like the middle or the end, like these these crazy numbers where it was just like, it was, these were star making performances. And so you almost didn't need the other things because it was like, like to your point, like show don't tell. Like it was like, this is why you should pay attention to her. But how did, be like, this is the question is like, how did Beyonce get those opportunities? Well, yeah, I mean, certainly, certainly, you know, her father being her manager is one thing, but... I'm sure that did not hurt. It didn't hurt, but... Yeah, I mean it's it's it is it is interesting. I wonder what the calculus was on the label side because you know obviously there had to have been a con- I mean everyone had to have gone decided at the same time to go all in and like she's going to be the thing that we're going to throw our entire machine behind, right? And and you yeah. you talked about Justin Timberlake. I think it's kind of a similar thing, right? It's it's they do they they run the numbers and they're like, okay, Justin or JC, right? And and well, they had been working on Justin for a long time. I know, but it's but again, they're. I feel like they work on him because they can do the research. They can figure out who's testing better and like, what was their Nicole, biggest. Was Nicole Scherzinger just jumping the gun? Like, did she just need like a couple more Pussycat Dolls albums, a little bit more goodwill, a little bit more name recognition? I mean, the fact that you feel the need to name your debut album "Her Name Is Nicole" it says uh, that that says something about the recognition that no one knows who you are. Well, what's funny is <laughs> and like... that you need to introduce that you need to introduce yourself to the public versus like I feel like in part because of the implosion of that original lineup of Destiny's Child, that was the actual that was actually the first way that I recognized who Beyonce was because of the implosion. When the when the when the news came out that two members of Destiny's Child had been kind of surreptitiously replaced, right? Like Latoya and Latavia didn't know that they were fired from the band until they saw the debut of the Say My Name music video, starring Michelle Williams and Farrah Franklin. And at that point, like MTV News was writing it up, and they wrote it up, talking about well, lead singer Beyonce Knowles, the you know their manager is her father Matthew Knowles, and that was actually like the first time that. I had seen her identified as a kind of a... identified and highlighted in some way. And then, I, and then suddenly it's like, Oh, the, the name Beyonce. Okay. Yeah. And then it was after that, that like one, I feel like they did kind of like a, a charm offensive with Beyonce to emphasize that, like that DC three lineup of destiny's child was like a true family and that they all loved each other yeah. so much. I feel like that was a little bit of a charm offensive to counteract the negative perception of what happened with Latoya and Latavia at the time. You know? Was that around the time when she did the interview where she was like, I want to pet a whale. <laughs> You'll have to find that clip and send it. To me. This is why they don't put her in front of a camera with a microphone. Because just, just, just send her to the uh, world connect Four championships. <laughs> um, but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. so I feel like Beyonce overcame this, negative perception around her place and her well it, again it was a it was a concerted effort yeah and 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 there's a lot of interest in her father's involvement well, obviously and I, but i feel like nicole scherzinger i mean nicole scherzinger has had powerful people on her side i was surprised that in like in the media nicole scherzinger is 
her talents are very much downplayed. They're like they're very much like she's no Beyonce. Well, she, she doesn't have the star power. Well, to pull this off. What, t- tell me what you think about that. I don't know how much of that is the media's fault and how much of that is just what the hell are you doing, Nicole? Because every time she gets a chance to be in front of a microphone and it's not her work, like it's not her album, she's not promoting her own work, right? On X Factor, she famously, you know, to to prove a point to Simon, you know, because Simon was like, oh, you're nothing. You're not like a real singer or whatever. She like went down there and like sang a Whitney Houston song, like in the middle of the X Factor to like show that she could do it. And he was blown away. Right. And the world was blown away because the world's like, whoa, we didn't know she could sing. Right. Because they're used to like the Pussycat Dolls, which is like you said, raunch pop. And I mean, like there's elements of it that highlight her voice, but not really. And then she comes out with Baby Love, which is trash. And, um, <laughs> you know, like the, the production doesn't get into why she's a star. Like nothing highlights her star power. However, there are all these clips on YouTube that are like showing that she there's a there's potential there. She yeah. but she only deploys it. To like remind people or to prove to people that she has the capability and never uses it in her actual work or her material, like her her released songs. Like, uh, so so there was the X Factor thing, which I, I only saw later. I will say the first time I took, I, I reconsidered my con, my preconceived notion of Nicole Scherzinger was, and we've talked about this before, seeing Rent live at the Hollywood Bowl. And uh, it was directed, I think, by Neil Patrick Harris. It had some of the original cast, um, but um, Vanessa Hudgens. She was the, uh, she was the Adina Menzel. Yeah, role. she was Maureen. Maureen. And yeah. she comes out, and Maureen has this song. It's was it the Moon? I forget. Take oh well, oh, yeah. the the I first one. It's a it's like a she's in character in the like she's doing a performance in a performance, and she's dressed as a as a, a cow. And she she sings a she sings a solo about like uh, the moon and milk and stuff like that, and she comes out and I swear to God it was as if I'd never heard her sing before. I would I just remember being completely blown away. And the the Hollywood Bowl, as you know, eighteen thousand people, silent. Like everyone was transfixed. And if you go to enough shows at the Bowl, you know that you know what's you can tell when the audience is completely captivated because it's silent. Normally you can hear people like rustling around trying to get their wine and all that shit. <laughs> you know, it was silent and everyone was just like, what the fuck? The Pussycat Dolls chick can sing? Like, you know, like <laughs> it was crazy. Meanwhile, Vanessa Hudgens is up there doing, um, you know, what's her name? Mimi. Mimi, like completely off key um, the Aww. entire show. And maybe her monitors were off. <laughs> <laughs> but... You know, that was the first time. And I remember being like, whoa, like maybe, you know, being kind of interested in seeing what she puts out. Right. And then it's this Pukini Kini song. It's like, you know, baby love. It's it, nothing that even scratches sort of the surface of her potential, I feel. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, several years after that, you get, um, you know, the Andrew Lloyd Webber stuff where it was like a showcase. I don't know how they got connected, but she had played. She had done some cat something in cats. Um, she was um Grizel, Grizel, Grizabella. Grizel, yeah, 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 yeah. She did. Name? So she would go on British some British TV shows and do 
these Andrew Lloyd Webber showcases. So she would do like Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. She did, um, she did, uh, yeah, Cat Memory from Cats. And she sounds fantastic. You you mentioned doing Phantom of the Opera and she she plays, Chris, or she does some of Christine's songs and she can hit that super high C. And mm-hmm. it's just, you're just like, whoa. Like, like true, like, it almost doesn't seem real when no. she's doing it. And to realize that like, oh, Andrew Lloyd Webber himself is like co-signing yeah. on her her performances of these songs. It's incredible. And I, I mean, again, maybe this is my inability to distinguish vocal performance, Jesus. thin voices, thin voices from the opposite of not, not fat voices, big voices. <laughs> I'm bracing, I'm bracing myself. But like, <laughs> But like I, I guess I guess that that is interesting now that I think about it about the way that the way that Beyonce was kind of amping up the deployment of her voice. I think if, when I think about early Destiny's Child versus as she's ramping into her solo career, there is more of like a a push to be like, no, Beyonce is is. She's the singular person. A big yeah. voice. She's not just the lead singer of Destiny's Child. She's not just Bills, Bills, Bills. She is going to blow yeah. your socks Remember off. Remember when Beyonce did the Oscars and she sang every single Oscar-nominated song? Like, there was the French one. There was... She did... It was like... They were like, okay, we're not gonna... So, if you don't remember, at the Oscars every year, there's a category for, you know, original song in a motion picture. And... You know, usually the the person who performs it either in the movie or on the soundtrack will perform the song at the ceremony, on the televised ceremony. That year, I don't know what the deal was, but they got, this was part of the promo, they got Beyonce to sing arrangements of every song. And I think it was kind of pushed as like, this will make it sort of like, it's sort of egalitarian. It's just, you know, mm-hmm. it's not based on the star power. You know, it's, it's not going to woo people based on the star power of the person who did it in the movie. Um, this will just sort of show the strength of the song, strength or weakness of the song, um, you know, because she'll do it. And again, it's it's one of these things where the deployment, like to your point, the deployment of her as a singular artist. I, I know a lot of people thought it was annoying. I know a lot, but I, yeah. you cannot deny the, the, the ramifications that something like that has for your image in and being formative in the create your creation story and in your as a star your mythos right like like just what that means and i look at nicole scherzinger and i see these very sincere very talented sorts of television appearances where she is like take me seriously look at what the fuck i can do and i'm just like why is that not in your music like, why do you deploy it mm. sort of as like, like you like you constantly want to surprise us with how good you are instead of like actually making music like that? Because, you know, if she's talking about really wanting to do something different than the Pussycat Dolls, why didn't she do some of that stuff before? Because mm. that would have really changed her image and kind of cemented her in our mind right from the beginning. Because I think the knock against the Pussycat Dolls was that they were kind of substance free right i mean it's like you talk about raunch pop and it's sort of cabaret like no one took them seriously as vocalists or or even their their music as quote-unquote music right like it's like the soundtrack and so if this was your capability you know and, and i don't know if it's like management or or how you know we talk about the machine you know in you know beyonce didn't do all of this because she 
is singularly powerful, right? Like she's talented and she's got charisma and she is a performer unlike any other. But like none of this would have been possible had she not had probably her father as her manager and the complete support of her label and the record industry and and just, you know, television producer, like all of these people coming together to like give her these moments or not even give her these mm-hmm. moments, but provide these opportunities and kind of be complicit in this narrative of superstardom. And like Nicole didn't have that. Like a Justin Timberlake to some extent has had that. You know, we saw that with Justin and Janet at the Super Bowl. Like the the machine moved to protect him and left Janet, right? Like the yeah. machine there these are not individual things. But I do wonder with Nicole, even more than likable, unlikable, it's just we don't we still don't know who she is. Because like if every one of her performances is about these big like Broadway things as her, what she feels give her credibility, why does it not reflect it ever in her music or her, her choices in her career? Because mm-hmm. there is a song that I like. It came out in 2014 and it was called Run. I don't know if it was on an album. It's a very quiet song in typical. Like, it probably me. was. She had two albums that I don't think came out here. It's funny because her 2011 album killer love only recently appeared in the United States on Spotify, but that album had actually never been released here. Yeah. Um, because that had the song, um, right there. Do you remember that song? Yes. I feel like that was like a club. That was like a club song. And, um, there was another song on that. Like say yes. Maybe don't hold your breath. Oh yeah. Don't hold your I breath. Liked, was also I, a big I, club I song. kind of liked don't hold your breath. I mean, it's it's funny. It's funny to hear you characterize her singing in that particular way because I, I I always thought that there were particular moments in Pussycat Dolls songs where it seemed relatively clear that she had a big voice, that she had a strong voice. It was, but that wasn't the focus. Like, if you're gonna try and be a diva in your own right, then that needs to be your narrative. Like, you need to be pushing that. And so, like, your material needs to be demonstrating that. In a, Like, you look at, we talk about how Christina, she does it to her detriment, right? Where it's like, she's like over singing mm-hmm. and didn't, you know, she, she does too much, you know? But, like, I feel like Nicole, it, it wasn't the highlight. It was, and be, again, I think because of the production, I think some of it's there, but because of the production, it's not, like, the feature. And then when she, she doesn't have any other songs so I will say, Killer Love, which is what uh, that song, you're called, Don't don't Hold Your Breath, that came out in 2011. Um, the song I like is called Run, and it was just a single, and that was from 2014. And it's quiet, and I think that that, the production is better. Like, it's 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 not as dry. Her, her vocal, she sings a little bit lower, and if you look at her live performances, she reveals that she has much more depth and range to her voice than a lot of the songs on her albums do. You know, I think that's one of the things that's most surprising. And there's a fullness to her I think that's the case with like a voice. lot of pop singers, though. Yes, but I think... I think, a, I think a lot of pop songs are specifically, like, toned down. Again, I think so, I don't too. Because I don't think that everyone... I don't think that Beyonce is attainable for all. No, I'm not saying that it should be. Because even when I think about, like, you know, when you think about Justin Timberlake, mm-hmm. for example. I mean, is Justin Timberlake, like... A great vocalist? Yeah, he's a good singer. He's a good vocalist. He is. But is he he better than JC? No. 
I don't think so. Okay. But he has more charisma. That's than the thing. JC. That's the thing. That's the thing. Is like a charisma. Yeah, but thing. It, it, I guess it's not mutually exclusive. But I look at like I look at Nicole, and I'm like, she does not show her range, usually in like the full set of her range. Like we're talking some of these songs. It's like it's within a very narrow range of her voice and her her capabilities, yeah. and she only ever really deploys the full range on these television appearances that go viral on YouTube. You know. And nowhere else. And and that's the thing for me where I'm like, huh. Because that's, I mean, I would listen I, to her more. But I mean, if you listen to Run, I don't know if you know that song. Yeah, not my favorite. Well, I know. <laughs> I could tell you. I could tell you. I mean, obviously. Obviously you like, obviously you but like But like, listen to Run. the way I, do not like Run. She, I feel like she is trying to interpret the song in a way that is more art- artistic like as an artist versus a singer, you know, when they say artist versus singer, yeah, yeah like yeah. I feel like, cause that was, one, it was one thing I was surprised to read about her also in reviews was that like reviewers would often characterize her as a very capable demo singer. Mm. And I think that very much is to your point that her vocals are like serviceable, mm-hmm. but they're not superstar vocals. Yeah. You're not going to remember, even though clearly her, even though clearly she is capable of those superstar Well, moments. one of the things I thought when I was listening today, I was like, oh, was she another one of J-Lo's uh, mystery singer? <laughs> Never. I mean, but you listen to like, listening to Don't Hold Your Breath, um, and there's some other songs on that on that album. I was like, this could be a J-Lo song. Like, like or or these could be J-Lo vocals. Like, this, she could be part of the mix. <laughs> Which is crazy because J-Lo can't do, like, oh my God. I'm not even going to talk about the inauguration, but um, I mean, <laughs> let's get loud, Jason. Let's get loud. Uh, I mean, I was I was proud of J Lo just for apparently singing. Yeah, live. no, well, uh, yeah, you could tell. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, anyway, I don't. Okay, so in in conclusion, after having this conversation, I don't know that there was a winning recipe for Nicole Scherzinger. I mean. We talk about the potential for her to showcase her voice a little bit better in her recordings, in her choice of songs, in her choice of production. I still wonder, because we talked, I feel like we kind of brushed uh, upon this with Jesse J mm. and what held Jesse J back. I think that there's a, there's a connection there, despite the fact that I think that Jesse J makes more of a point to sing her ass off. Yeah. yeah. Does that make yeah. sense? Mm-hmm. I feel like, Nicole Scherzinger singing her ass off in her songs just becomes Jesse J. It's funny because I think they could be kind of two sides of the same coin. Yeah. I mean, even in the way that, I mean, yeah, just like the public, public perception of both of them to me is very similar. Like, I feel like you've heard rumors of very similar types of behavior from both of them. Did we talk about it on on the Jesse J episode that like wasn't it on the RuPaul podcast that Michelle Visage like yeah. identified Jesse J as like the most yeah. unpleasant person she's yeah, ever yeah. met? Yeah, we did talk about it, but yeah, she in, when she was in okay. Australia, they were doing the the work the work the world yeah. the work the yeah work the world right, um, and Jesse J just comes comes through like nobody's business and she, like was very cold. Nobody, she said she was very cold, yeah, and unprofessional. But you know, so I and I get that. It's funny because, you know, what we're, what Nicole Scherzinger is doing now, kind of doubling down as a television personality, she's a judge on The Masked Singer, I think, oh yeah, in an attempt to further, like, humanize herself, I don't 
I don't buy into her that way. Well, you talked about her being I love very. Her, I love her voice. Yeah, you talked about her being very pageantry. I love her music. I don't. I don't want to see her on TV trying to be like. I don't know. You know what I'm I saying? I don't know. The the thing is that so so maybe this is quote unquote my elitism, but I don't like those kinds of reality shows that require the audience or the American style or I guess Western. It, look, it's universal at this point. These sort of talent shows where the audience is like, quote unquote, the real public. And it's just, everything is like the lowest common denominator. I don't know. It's like, it just feels so. Hey man, Patti LaBelle did the I know, singer. but it's like, I'm always like, who the fuck is watching the show? It's really fun. I've, I have, look, all I, I have watched it. And I, 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 if any of you are out there, I recommend watching it on Hulu. Pay for the premium so you can skip all the commercials. And because otherwise it takes you three hours or however long it takes. And yeah. I just want to find out who they are. So I just skip to the end. I'm like, because yeah. that whole, that That's whole true. sort of scripted, like, who is it? Oh my God. Yeah, the judging panel is very cringy, like across the board to me. It's like my least favorite part of that show. And I don't think it does Nicole Scherzinger no. any favors. No. It, to sit next it's to like, uh, Robin Thicke and Ken Jong. And and yeah. uh, what's her name? You need to be. You need to take a page from like the elusive Chanteuse. Yes, she's elusive for a reason. Like, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> like 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 if you only popped up to do award shows and you like knocked it out of the park, I guarantee your star would rise. Do yeah, you know she what I mean? Just to, she just needs to score those invites. But I think here's honest. the thing: it's... can't David Foster get her like a fundraising performance and like? <laughs> She can open for Josh Groban. That's um, the thing. Is like I feel like she has connected people on her side. She does. Jo- she, she just does. needs to cut, cut, cut. Will I am? He's making bad decisions for people. Um. Well, you know, I I do just think that like, you know, we're talking about her as if she's not successful. I mean, how oh, many I seasons mean, wildly of successful. these shows has she been on? Like, yeah. wildly successful, except yeah. at the one thing that she probably cares about the most. Yeah, which is which is. I mean, that's that is. But I think that's as the public, that's hard to watch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's crying all the way to the bank. I'm sure. Yeah, it, it, yeah, and it's it's funny. So she, you know, on Hulu, there's also, and I guess it's online too. There's this Architectural Digest video series. I think it, they're like home tours. So they've had multiple people. There was like JJ Reddick. There's um, what do you call Jesse Tyler Ferguson, uh, Liv Tyler, and they kind of take you on a tour of their home. And Nicole is on it. Nicole Scherzinger's house in the Hollywood Hills, and it is kind of exactly what you would expect a pop star celebrity from the early aughts would have like it's in this beautiful location but it's like it's sort of minimalist but sort of like asian but sort of like there's purples and black like you know it's just like okay we know i was i was waiting for the purples and the blacks yeah yeah yeah. it's like gem tones yeah, and T- tufted are there tufted surfaces? There are some tufted surfaces. There's some like pillow. I, it doesn't look like a comfortable house, but it looks like her house. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that's and, and that's, you're like that's very yeah. She that is that fits, personified, right? Yeah. yeah, it's like it's like it is her house. But you, if ever you could look at someone's house and be like, why are you not America's sweetheart? You look at that house, and you're like, okay, none of this is relatable. 
there is something that has always been a little bit drag queeny, a little bit. Well, you said pageant, and I think that's true. Pageant, old. Mm-hmm. There was something even even about her in her young twenties performing with Eden's Crush, or in those first few performances with Pussycat Dolls. She has. I don't want to say old. That sounds so terrible. But there's like a maturity, old, maturity. <laughs> like Nicole Scherzinger is not like a fresh face. No, no. It's it's, and so and her voice has like this rasp to it. Yeah. There's always been something a little bit weathered about her. It's a little brittle. I don't know where I was going with that. But, well, you oh, know, it, because of her house. I'm imagining yeah, that. Yeah. It's her, her drag queeniness, her her weathered nature, yeah. her raspy voice, and it's, then a house full of tufted velvet pillows. Well, and it's not full of it. I mean, like, <laughs> it is it is kind of spare. I mean, like, there are certain parts where I'm like, uh, and there are other parts where I'm like, okay. But it's also one of those where it's just, I don't know. Like, it's not, I don't know. Not my taste. I mean, that's fine. You, you describing her house could also be you describing her voice. <laughs> no, but I I do like her voice when she or her music, her music yeah. rather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, isn't she your age? She is one and a half years older than me. Because she seems older, right? Like that's yes. the thing. She's like, always you know. seemed old. I mean, it's yeah. funny because I feel like when she started out, she looked older than she was, and now she looks younger than she is. That's a common pop star trajectory. <laughs> I feel like, like she's she's always looked about thirty to. 35. She's always looked, yeah, like thirty to thirty five. Always, like even when, when she, she was, was like twenty one, <laughs> all the way to now, she's like forty two. She looks, you know, she has yeah. she has strong features. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. we're terrible. We're terrible. It's a, no, it's okay. It's it's just you know. I can't redeem this song. If you don't like this no, song, it's, you, you don't d- like this song. You, yeah. I, I, and admittedly, this is a terrible. I mean, I just said it. No, no, no. The JR Rotom remix is, is good. I will the say JR, the JR Rotom is the JR Rotom version. Aside from the initial pew pew pews, is a pew, much pew, more pew, palatable pew. version of the song. I think that he also filled out that middle part of the song that's very much missing in the original. Again, I blame Will I Am for everything. Again, I think it's wonderful Fair. in its oddity, and I think it's I think it's a relic of a lost time in Nicole Scherzinger's unrealized pop career, solo pop career. R.I.P. Nicole Scherzinger's solo pop career. <laughs> See you on Broadway. Oh no! So so she was gonna do Cats on Broadway. Oh oh, I was gonna yeah. Tell me and about then it. they and then then they wouldn't let her audition, right? Or no, she no, she pulled no. out. No, she pulled out. They she wouldn't let her audition out. for the movie, which you know she talked about in nineteen or twenty nineteen as like being like a devastating thing because Andrew Lloyd Webber like vouched for her. But knowing what we know now about the Cats movie, well, Cats first of all, is this is how is this really how we're going to wrap this up? Cats guess, is yeah. terrible. Cats is terrible. Um, compared to Cats. Everything about cat compared to cats, baby love is a masterpiece. <laughs> I still like memory. <laughs> but, I mean, but that's the thing that that's the, that one song, the one that song. everyone knows from cats. I mean, I yeah, also but nobody knows when baby I love. Up, 
I always knew like um, magical Mr. Mistopheles, but no uh-huh. one had ever explained to me what Cats is really about until we yeah. saw it. And I was like, wait, th- this is what Cats is about? Th- this is this is what I'm going to be sitting through for like three hours? Like you're shitting me, right? And I went to work the next day. I was like, why does no one ever talk about how terrible Cats is? It's the worst musical on planet Earth. Yeah. It's worse than the jukebox, the Queen jukebox musical. Or the Temptations jukebox musical, which I know the tempta- is the Temptations. I think the Temptations one is okay. Oh man, I was so mad. It it, it makes the whole Temptation story a little bit squeaky clean for mm-hmm. the guy that's still alive. The guy, the that, one who wrote it, the one who wrote and, it, it's, and wrote it himself makes, a hero into it. <laughs> it. It makes it very squeaky clean for him. But story wise, it it was actually fine. The Queen musical makes no sense. Uh-huh. Absolutely no sense. Did you go to that one? No. We will rock you. No. Oh, with my Adam gosh. Lambert? Or no? No, it's just a jukebox musical oh, oh, no, containing the songs from Queen. It makes it makes no sense. The whole thing makes no sense. It has a plot, but the plot makes no sense. Cats does it one worse by not making sense, but also not having a plot. Well, you know, and who anyway. knows? I hope we can get back to musical theater at but, some point in our lives. <laughs> Nicole Scherzinger. Um, what I had read actually was that, you know, she revived she um during a revival of cats on the West end, right? She was nominated or she won whatever the British version of a Tony is. The, yeah, uh, yeah. is it not Olivia? That's anyway, something anyway, she won the award. but on the heels of that, you know, and Andrew Lloyd Webber loves her. Mm-hmm. She had negotiated to be part of the Broadway revival of cats, but she pulled out yeah. because they would not give her top billing. Oh, Oh, that is reported. That is reported to be the reason that she pulled out of the revival of Cats on Broadway. I didn't know that. That that was not in her uh, Guardian profile in 2019. So, if you want to know why Nicole Scherzinger is not showcasing her voice on these huge platforms the way that Beyonce was able to, maybe there over, are reasons. <laughs> she's fighting over Cats and Broadway in 2017. Oh God. Anyway, did we learn anything today? I learned that um, there are glottals in Hawaii, the Hawaiian language. Um, uh, I don't know. I learned about J.R. Rodham again. And, yeah, who uh, I normally hate. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, I learned that I don't that I don't think it was wrong of me to dismiss ninety percent, ninety five percent of Nicole Scherzinger's music. Huh. Because on closer listen, I was like, no, I was right to ignore most of this. Huh. Okay. I mean, I learned that I don't think that I should have tried to redeem this song. <laughs> I think it is what it is. I think you have to appreciate it for what it is. It's like a relic of a particular place in time, a particular group of people. Listeners, we have. But you know what's you. funny? I, I mean, to. to to go back to a previous episode, I see a lot of connective tissue between the terrible solo singles that Nicole Scherzinger was releasing in 2007 and the mm-hmm. terrible singles that Maya was releasing in 2007. Mm. I think there was just mm-hmm. something going around. It was like um, norovirus or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, that's bringing anyway. it full circle to the beginning conversation. Full about <laughs> circle. <laughs> well, anyway, we'd like to give always 
Special thanks to Adam Elder for composing our theme music. Songs and videos featured in today's episode will be posted to our website at flopredeemer.com. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice. And check us out on social at flopredeemer on Instagram and Twitter. And, you know, we post links to the articles as well as the playlist that Barry's been putting together uh, on Instagram and Twitter. So you can check us out there. And at facebook.com slash flopredeemer. Email us as always at flopredeemer at gmail.com dot com. <laughs> <laughs>